How do you unlock your full potential of influence and create lasting change? I'm your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Along with your other co-host, Scott Young, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for inspirational stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals around the globe. We want to see you get equipped and empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. This is the Influencers Podcast, and when I think of influencers that are sold out for Jesus and his mission and have made a difference in America and around the globe, I can't help but think about Pastor Paula White, prolific speaker, writer, uh, pastor, advisor to the former president, President Trump. Uh, I could go on and on. Uh, but uh, Paula, I've known you for quite a while, and uh, I'm one of your biggest fans, you know that. But I think uh, a lot of people don't fully understand you. Absolutely. I would agree with that. And I'd like to kind of drill down on that, if you wouldn't mind. I don't mind at all, Dave. Let's go deep. Okay. Let's start with your testimony. Well, I didn't grow up in church, obviously. Um, You can hear that if you listen to me at all. I grew up in a pretty well-to-do family. Initially, my father, I thought, was my hero. Um, I'd only seen that loving side of what I thought was the way every girl should grow up, not understanding how dysfunctional it was my first five years. My father committed suicide when I was five years old, Dave. That night changed my life drastically to this day. I can look and see... Um, the God aspect in every aspect of our life, but I've had to look hard to find that at times because um, a father figure has extreme bearing on your life. And I, as I said, only knew the daddy that drew smiley faces on my pancakes and all of a sudden my mom moves to Memphis, takes my brother, and I had to find out later he's my half-brother. And my dad comes in that night. It's raining, thundering, lightning, and storming out and a knock on the door and I'm like it's daddy it's daddy because that's all I ever wanted and I run to the door open it he grabs one arm my mother grabs the other and they begin to pull on me like a raggedy ant I'm screaming and crying and my mom finally uh, gets a hold of my hands because my dad take that long extended hand and begin to beat my mother's face in tells my brother go call the police mm-hmm. he's running it's chaotic it's total chaos they come they take my dad And I never saw him again. So as you can imagine, a little five-year-old girl's mind was left to kind of figure out life. My mother, who had two masters and a doctorate, becomes a raging alcoholic, but a very functional one. Um, I just was talking, laughing about, as John was telling his story on the great podcast that you and him did about being a rock star, how my mother started taking me to rock concerts. My first concert was, I think, I was five years old with The Who (laughs) (laughs) And so it was far from amazing grace day for, um, but we also, our situation changed financially. The money was on my dad's side. So my grandmother who hated me for whatever reason and rejected me, cut us off financially. And we went from a lot of food to no food to struggling with my brother, uh, over a bowl of noodles with ketchup that we called spaghetti. So we were left with people not of the best caliber. Um, Sexual and physical abuse began in my life at the time of shortly after five and lasted up till I was about 13 years old. 
that led into one issue after another from eating disorders to being a perfectionist to straight-A student to doing anything for someone's approval and acceptance, trying to find myself. In this path, my, my mother had remarried a two-star admiral when I was nine years old, and uh, we moved over 14 different times through my childhood, which we know creates displacement. So by the time I'm ready for college, I had moved 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. I was out in the Bay Area, your area, Dave, mm-hmm. and um, I went I lived in Danville, went to San Ramon High, and so it was a wild time in the early 80s. And I was exposed to lifestyle that was even beyond take it out of not being in a Christian realm. I mean, just way out of the box. Drugs, sex, um, wild living, everything else that you can imagine. And in the midst of it, I thought I was a pretty good girl because my mom said, you know, if you're going to have a relationship, make sure you're in love. How do you know if you're in love when you're 16 years old? So I still thought I was pretty, pretty good girl. Come back, live in Maryland, and short of the long story of the testimony, which is going to be life-changing, is I'm chasing a guy, 18 years old, going to have a summer fling before I go back to Berkeley, because that was where I was headed, back to California. And instead, God decided to have a fling with me. I Mm. go to his grandmother's house one day, and his uncle looks me in my eyes, said, I've got the answers to your questions and the solution to your pain and problem. And he opens up this book. It was a Bible. I'd heard of a Bible. I think I'd probably seen one, heard the name of Jesus. But suddenly he begins to share with me the gospel and tells me about Jesus and that this God has a plan for my life. And I was radically transformed. I don't know how to explain it, never will, can go back to that moment. I I can't. I can't articulate it properly because it sounds so cheesy in many ways, but I was I was saved, genuinely born again, and and you can only experience that. I walked outside in the grass for the first time in my life was green and the sky was blue. He told me go find a church. I looked for a few, but I I said I've got to get that book. I need that book. Mm. And for two years I did nothing but stay in the Word of God. That was the start of the testimony. I wish I could tell you that everything went perfect after that moment of salvation. Mm. But salvation is a process that's being worked out our entire life. At 55, I'm a lot different than I was at 25 or 18 when I got saved. But the one thing that I had going for me all these years, for 37 years now, is that I know that I know God is real. I know that I know God's love. And God gave me a great sense of purpose when I was 18. And though I fell down and made mistakes and um, had my had many different chapters in my life, some I'd like to tear out of the book, some I'd like to keep, and I'm proud of in a godly sense. The one thing that I know is that God has me and I have him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he certainly does. How do you feel like you're misunderstood? by people? Oh, it started for me when I was very early. I, I just gave a whole long time of saying that I was the square peg that didn't fit in the round hole. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I confessed to God when I'm 18. I'm not ministry material. Um, I feel like there's this call of God on my life, and I go, I can't sing. I can't play a piano. You're never going to get the makeup off me because I finally found a little Pentecostal <laughs> church. You know, I got pregnant out of wedlock when I'm 18 years old. I'm living in a trailer. 
my life has already been all broken and diverse, and it's not just like the prodigal son. It wasn't the prodigal daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the prodigal son. I'm a woman. And yet, in this time when I'm 18 years old, God gives me this great sense of purpose. I start feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and, and going to McDonald's sharing the gospel. So I'm preaching, restoring, and taking care of the poor. I'm, I'm sharing the gospel, restoring and taking care of the poor. There's no Paula White ministry. There's no anything. So out of this desire and stuff, there, there's a vision God takes me in puts me on every continent in this vision and every time I open my mouth people get saved healed delivered when I shut my mouth they fall into utter darkness I never desired anything but to be a mom and a wife and to help other people I didn't Mm. think like oh I've got this big dream for a career or I thought I'd be a pastor or in ministry never owned a business card so how am I misunderstood I was a woman in a man's world called ministry as I said, desiring just to be a wife, a mom, etc. Um, I also was very influenced by the people that I held very in high esteem. So I didn't know any, I didn't have theological background or teaching or training. So all you know is, is what you've been exposed to. Um, so much of, much of my misunderstanding, I think, comes because I stood on a public stage pretty much from the very beginning of my ministry and you're growing up in front of people I remember Dave when 1990 you know early 90s when Rodney King had been beaten and God told me to go to Los Angeles which was a supernatural setup that I went there Um, we go to Los Angeles right after the um, Rodney King beaten into Nickerson Gardens, Wyverly, Jordan Downs 50,000 people are born again. It brings tremendous exposure. Train over 6,000 people on how to do ministry because I had pretty much been on roller skates with a bullhorn in the inner city telling little boys and girls that Jesus loves them and seeing hundreds, thousands of people come to Jesus, feeding people, uh, clothing them. This had been ministry to me. So I'd never stood it really in a pulpit, and I wouldn't really have that pulpit exposure till maybe the mid to late 90s. So ministry for me from 1984 to um, mid 90s was really just on the streets, uh, going to people's homes, telling them how much God loved them. So you go, how have I been misunderstood? Well, the trajectory of ministry for me um, was an interesting one because all I've ever done is what God has told me to do. So if you have been misunderstood, number one, people call me a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm not even quite sure what that is yet because when I looked at Wikipedia prior to President Trump, um, that was meant that you believed in the goodness of God. Once President Trump's spiritual advisor, which we'll get to that misunderstanding, came about, um, then then all of a sudden prosperity came to you told people to give so that they got back health and wealth from God. Well, I've never said you get back health and wealth from God for giving to God. I believe that we get to give to God, mm-hmm. not we give to get from God. Now, I do believe that God's a giver. So I'm confused by Wikipedia. I was just following it mm-hmm. five years ago that it was because mm-hmm. God's good. In other words, Wikipedia changed their whole page because Trump's spiritual advisor said that God's a good God. And I guess I might be a prosperity preacher if he's a good God because I do believe he's good. <laughs> So this all gets very confusing. Um, Then I became Trump's spiritual advisor because 21 years ago, he calls me out of the blue 
and says, Mr. Trump's on the line. I get on the phone, and God speaks to me, not in an audible voice, but says, show him who I am. And so I do that. Little do I know he's going to become president. So it's hard to say in these sound bites of four minutes why I'm controversial, because it's hard to explain 21 years in less than 21 minutes of why I believe that if I bail on then Mr. Trump, I'm bailing on God. So I want to talk about that in a moment and how I feel like you've been misunderstood as a, an advisor, pastor uh, to the former president. Uh, but do you feel that sometimes, you know, what people would call Christian celebritism, you know, when you name a ministry after yourself and you got a high-powered marketing team, you know, behind you, uh, you're selling a lot of products and, and including selling a personality uh, along with uh, a lot of great truths. I think part of your success, by the way, is the positive message. I do. Uh, mm-hmm. People are beaten down every day and... But when they are there on Sunday at one of your conferences, God uses you to inspire them beyond uh, their means and, and their troubles and, and even how they see their personal forecast. Uh, but talk with us about that, this Christian celebritism, and what are your thoughts on that? Dave, at 55, you know a lot more than you do at 25 or 18 or anything else. And I started out when half sentences, like I typically speak, saying that um, I was very influenced. So I'm a product of ministry in the 90s. And a product of that ministry was you think you're doing right. You think this is the right path. This is God's way. Um, Because I wake up every day with the same prayer, God, not my will, but your will be done. And while hundreds of millions i mean literally we touch have touched the world i've been in over 200 countries mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how many millions of lives have said yes to jesus christ because of a result of what's known as paul white ministry if i were reversing which is a stupid thing to say because all of this has a purpose in life i'd never call it paul white ministry i would have never done that but i'm a product of the 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm a product of celebrity pastors. I hate it. I hate it, Dave. I hate the whole, um, because I had a deep sense of knowing that he is the light. I'm just a reflection of the light, that I go into the world and wake up every day to reflect Jesus in the good works that I carry out. Because um, I started with my testimony uh, to share that, yes, I you know people look and go, well, you, you've had you know, two failed marriages. Now, John, you've had this. Absolutely, I've had a lot of brokenness. It's a big point of shame in my life, but there's a lot of testimony behind that. I write in something greater. Um, believe in God for my marriage. Believe in God for uh, my situation. I told someone yesterday, I really thought that I would be the girl that got the miracle. Mm. I thought that God would somehow reach my situation There'd be a change of heart and a change of behavior and not the violations and um, that most people know of now. So I say that because someone once said, and I'll never forget, um, they said in a message, you can do anything. It was a pastor up preaching. He said, you can do anything, but please don't ever worship me. 
because the day you do is the day I'm done. Hmm. And I've always had this intense knowledge of I'm really an inadequate person, that there's no good thing in me except Jesus Christ. But I don't think other people have always known that. And the culture of ministry in the 90s conditioned a lot of people to look more at a person than at Jesus. And I'm genuinely um, repentive and sorrowful for any eyes that ever got on me and not didn't get on Jesus because that was never my intention. Never has been. I think people that know you know that and that you you have a true fear and awe of God. Very and, much so. And you know that if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you, and you keep passing it on to him, and you're always careful not to embezzle the glory and the Amen. credit. And I do believe that's one of the reasons why God has, has blessed you, along with what you've shared. Your pain is your purpose. And you share, you know, out of brokenness mm -hmm. and empathy, you know, for others. Let's shift to uh, serving as a pastor advisor uh, to President Trump. And I had a conversation actually with your sidekick, Todd, uh, Todd Lamphier, about this this morning, uh, who also is uh, my right-hand guy for CityServe. So you man. and I are doing this together, and which I— I think just a little caveat on how God uses you as a farmers to families, and which was a USDA program during the you know the COVID pandemic, and this program uh, that was originated out of USDA included Ivanka Trump. Uh, it was you. You were the catalyst to engage the church, and now as of this recording, we have distributed 17 million of these food boxes through the local church uh, to families in need. And that is because of your influence and obviously uh, the great work at USDA, people like Lauren Walker and Ivanka. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're so grateful, you know, for how God, you know, has used you. But I think what's happened sometimes is that uh, we make decisions based on a collection of images. Mm, yeah, And so we allow the media to shape how we see Paula White. We allow slander uh, that one leader uh, that maybe is jealous or maybe has been offended. And those individuals shape our opinion, and then that creates a toxicity around that person that becomes doctrine. And I don't know how else to put it, but that is just absolutely demonic very much how many people good people godly people god-fearing people have been taken through this gauntlet you know where they get isolated because of this toxicity you know and then people play the martyr look what they've done to me and then they discredit that person and then delete them mm. and it's just it's it's diabolical uh this gauntlet that leads to destruction and here's my question for our listeners that have a problem with you serving as a pastor advisor to our president. I'm sure Daniel, Esther, Joseph, you know, Nehemiah, uh, that the fellow Jews were not crazy about their leaders. They right. were pagan leaders. So even if you despise Donald Trump, 
you at the same time, we have a modern day Esther. You are. God has used you as a modern day Esther to positively influence uh, President Trump, Amen. one of the most influential, could be the most influential person in the world. And you have ministered to him, to his family. How in the world can anybody that serves God not want to uh, applaud that and to pray and support you in any way possible in that ministry? Well, you said how in the world. I think uh, I think you said something about me that I will resonate with. That there's a real innocent childlike faith in me that I protect and guard all the time, Dave. And I don't know how in the world I say that, removing myself from being that person that's being slandered, because I I couldn't do it to someone else, or I wouldn't want to do that. But at the same time, I've done ministry for 37 years. I'm not naive enough to know what I wasn't signing up for or what God had asked me to do. And I've always lived my life by God's judgment is more important than man's opinion to me. I've spent more of my time in the presence of God than I have with man, and I don't think if I had that I couldn't do what God had called me to do much like a Joseph or an Esther, and I don't compare myself in any way, but if God has graced me with some kind of mantle like that for this time, uh, I also recognize the hardship they had to go through. Therefore, I don't go, oh, why me, why me? I look at the tests and trials of my life and the rejection from my childhood all the way to this point as part of the process of serving purpose. And I know that every aspect of it had an important part to play in my life. So when I say Mr. Trump now, President Trump's assignment by God for me, if I said no to that, I'd be saying no to God. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it really does come down to don't be afraid of what man might do to you. Be afraid what God can do to your soul. Because for me, this is what God could do to my soul. Can that be a lonely walk? Sure it can. Do we want acceptance by, and do we want to be acknowledged by our brothers and sisters? Sure we do. But ultimately, I believe we get to that Genesis 50, 20 place that Joseph stood up when his brothers came back and said, we're sorry, because I think they were afraid Joseph was going to put him in prison or kill him, you know, <laughs> now that he was in position. And he said, no, 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 you didn't do this to me. God allowed this to save much people alive. God allowed this for posterity. I know why I've been allowed to serve probably the most influential man and not only have impact on his life that I still work with him every day all the time, but have impact for the greater cause, which is the body of Christ mm -hmm. and people of faith and people mm -hmm. that don't even know who they are. <laughs> Farmers to family is one. That is a kingdom principle that we are told we must take care of the poor and needy, that we are commanded by God to leave a portion of our field, which is what CityServe does every single day. Mm -hmm. Why CityServe exists, why CityServe was birthed through you and in you. Mm -hmm. um, in my role and capacity, I knew I had the power to do good. I know that God says if you have the power to do good, you must do it. And that's always been my driving principle. Mm -hmm. So when they were talking about when COVID hit, and this was just one small example of a hundred we could, I could give to you from religious liberties to being the final weigh-in on things on life, on Israel, to moving the embassy, to defunding Planned Parenthood, 
to, I could just go through this on and on to opportunity zones, creating almost 9,000 places that we're now able to put over, I mean, billions of dollars, over 10 billion our first year, which will be materialized at over a trillion dollars over the next 10 years. Think about that. By one stroke of a pen in job acts and tax cuts. I, I mean, it's just unfathomable sometimes when we think about the billions of dollars. PPP. Mm-hmm. There were 14 of us as we architected and sat there and I said, I had to weigh in on people faith. I said, but people faith, churches play pay mm-hmm. payroll taxes too. Why should they be discriminated against? Because they're also taxed in this area. Because we weren't dealing with property taxes or you know, corporate taxes. You're dealing with payroll. So that's what PPP was all about, payroll protection, right? So we're looking at this, and I said, well, churches obviously pay taxes. So I I can take farmers, family, anything, and say, God used me as a voice to stand in the gap and continues to for people of faith. So farmers, family, uh, President Trump said, hey, our food's going to waste. The dairy has got uh, sunny on. And I believe it was all connected because Todd was living with the faith director up in D.C. when he'd go up there that happened to be with ag. And our mm-hmm. great Mike Betty, who was our yes, great faith director. Wonderful. And City Serve book was up on his thing, and he read it three times. So all of this was orchestrated by God. I say that to say, I said to President Trump and Ivanka, they said, okay, we've got the small businesses, we've got the suppliers, we've got the food, we've got the budget. (laughs) Of course we do. We're the American, the United States of America government. What do we do, though? How do we get I said, I've got distribution, and that's where I called you and Todd, and I said, all right, guys, we've got to do this. 50 states, every county, (laughs) no big task. Got to bring the entire body of Christ together. Oh, Dave, by the way, and you didn't even flinch, Dave. You went along with my craziness or my godness. I haven't figured out which one it is yet. You're also a Deborah. (laughs) You know, you're a general in God's army. By the way, you know, one of these uh, national news uh, media outlets, as you know, called me. And they were doing their best to slander you and Ivanka. And this is what I said to them. I said, you got to help me out here. You guys are sitting there in the comfort of your home, in your sweats, drinking a latte, slandering people that are out there, (laughs) risking catching COVID, serving needy families that right now are nutrition insecure. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah. And. It's crazy. And, but I, you know, I think the people listening know that you do have a childlike faith. You truly, truly have a relationship with the Lord and to believe or like my former boss, Pat Robertson, would say, you know, believe in things so big that unless God intervenes, you will fail. Amen. And, and he has used you, Paula, and Far beyond, I'm sure, what you could possibly ask or think, as it says in Ephesians 3.20. And anything else you'd like to you know, just add before we, we close? I'm so grateful for this time and, and for any clarification. And, you know, one of the things that I encourage people, maybe you go, well, I'll never live in that spot. You never know what God's going to do with you because um, probably on Bill Moxley Road, living in a trailer or as a child that had been abused and his father had committed suicide, et cetera, 
perhaps I couldn't see the fullness of God's plan for my life either, that he'd take all the pieces. So God does big things. I say God uses little people to do big things. And not that any of you are little, but that's just kind of how I see myself on an everyday basis, just a regular girl that fell in love with Jesus. But I also say that you've got to be prepared to say yes to God no matter what. Mm-hmm. And again, there's that innocence and naiveness of faith, but but not of what I'm up against. Jesus said, oh. God already told Jesus, he said, look, I'm going to, because Jesus' heart was to the Father, protect protect them. He, he asked him to protect his disciples. God basically says, and, and Jesus says, I'm going to put you in this world and I'm not going to take you out of it. And I'm not taking the evil one out. I'm going to leave you right in this world with him. But I'm going to protect you from him. And at the end of the day, I know that God wins and God's people win. Mm-hmm. One of the most evil forces that's used today is propaganda mm-hmm. and media and deception mm-hmm. oh. and slander and gossip. My heart breaks not because of what the world does. It's what the church does. You know, you would think that we wouldn't be... We're in this world, but not of this world, that we would be a little bit different. But I recognize that Satan has always gotten his foot in every institution, um, even the church. And I ask that we all just cry out to God and seek God and really do become united as a body and question ourselves when it comes down to us. Because I say, maybe you might not sit on a world platform, but you're you're getting... Uh, you know, backlash at work for taking a stand for Christ or backlash within your family for taking a stand for life or whatever. And all of a sudden people want to label you because they make you something. Oh, you're way over there. You're a patriot, you know, which automatically means you're part of Trumpianism, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which automatically means you're a right wing. (laughs) And then the media is just going to come along right with it. No, I'm a Bible-believing, God-fearing child of God. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of that. Oh, for you to remain centered, where on one side you got, you know, yeah, the media, you know, slandering you, looking for any narrative that they can even create to bring you down. On the other hand, the Christian community, uh, you know, there are a lot of good people out there, but there are a lot of takers. Hmm always wanting to take, 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 and not give. And so you're really getting kind of pulled on both sides, and you have every right to just have a pity party. Uh, what are the disciplines to remain positive, focused on the Lord and his mission, and not to get distracted or derailed by those, uh, you know, all of those motivations that try to pull you away? Uh, gratitude, recognizing everything I have, everything I am is because of Christ. Um, I put myself back going. Every day, it's this, this um, not every day, but a lot, Dave. I've got to be honest here, which I usually am brutally, which is why it can be tough on some people. But I have this flash. I worked at Wendy's. It's the only job I ever got fired from when I was 16, actually in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, It's interesting. But I have this flash how my trajectory should have been me still working at Wendy's and the the height of my life would have been being a manager there. Mm. (laughs) Honestly, I had no other way. I mean, no college degree, no education, no any. I really don't have much. I can't sing. I don't have much going for me except for Jesus. So I think the reality of what my life should have turned out like 
versus what it's turned out like and knowing it's only God. Mm. So the days that I do feel overwhelmed, I go back and I have that flash or I put it in me and I go, hey, every day is great because mm. today I could be flipping burgers again with those greasy <laughs> plot fries. <laughs> and, and that's where I actually should be. And I don't look down at that at all because I've been there. And mm. I was, I think that the outside of that, the epitome of my career was cleaning um, someone else's toilets, and uh, but at least owning my own contract to do so. So I'm grateful, number one. Mm-hmm. I surround myself with good people. Mm-hmm. I have a good family, a great husband, my kids, my grandkids. You mentioned them, Pastor Todd, people like yourself. And they say if someone has five friends in their life, they're very blessed. Mm-hmm. So you've got to keep everything in perspective, keep your head on right, stay in the word, um, let your soul, that's where you get messed up in, bless the Lord at all times, and, and be very grateful. Hmm. Somebody asked me about you the other day, and I said, let me put it this way. God loves everybody, but he really likes Paula White. <laughs> I do agree with that, Dave, and that's our secret. Okay. I don't know, but Jesus and I have this intimate thing going on. And I tell everybody I'm his favorite because I actually feel like that and believe that. You know, that's a good thing because it means that God, you now my son will fight and think he's God's favorite, but I think we all should feel that way, that we should feel so intimate with our father that we believe we're his favorite child. Amen. Thank you, Paula. Love you. Love you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. And we want you to access more of the resources. We'd love to hear your feedback on future episodes. Keep the conversation going and visit us at cityserve.us forward slash podcast. Remember, folks, use your influence to move people closer to Jesus and his mission.